Welcome to Come Alive. I'm your host, Helena Jidovich, and I'm drawn to people who are engaged with life, eager to converse about truth and love, attentive to the people around them, and free to express the movements of their hearts. Here I'll share some of my daily prayer and life experiences of begging God to transform me into one of those people. Welcome along for the ride. Hello and welcome to Come Alive, episode 17. Today we're going to continue on talking about the feminine genius uh, that Edith Stein was the first really to write about, come up with, and Pope John Paul II coined the term the feminine genius. So this past week we were uh, having our staff bonding on a farm in Washington Island, which is a wonderful time. And naturally that brings up all sorts of like conversations and emotions about uh, men and women, I think. So a part of me always would get so riled up about like the role of men and women and where like each belongs and who is stronger and who should be more chivalrous for who and aren't we equal and all sorts of those things. And it just got me thinking like, uh, one, I've known this. It's just biologically true that men on average are stronger than women on average. So I don't even need to get like riled up about it biologically speaking. It just is a fact, you know? So that's helpful to just know. And are there exceptions? Absolutely. And I think that's also a very important part of of all of this conversation about men and women and our roles and who we are, that it's not a strict black and white. There are certainly things that are true of men and women, and certainly men and women are distinct. Um, however, we're not all the same, and it's dangerous if we like drop people in stereotypes and make conclusions based off of that. So that's one thing that I was just kind of pondering uh, this week. And of course, there's such a variety of personality as well, which is like a whole nother layer uh, on top of all of these things. And distinctly, I remember in college, well, growing up, I kind of was this strong, independent woman, hear me roar. And, um, and yet at the same time, complaining that men weren't very chivalrous. Men weren't very like aware of uh, women's needs. And I came to realize that when I like stomp out a man's offering to help, I'm stomping it out. <laughs> you know, like he, there's no room for him to be chivalrous if I'm going to shut it down constantly because I'm too busy trying to prove myself and prove that like I'm capable, I'm strong enough, I can hold my own door, I can carry this box myself. And I've realized like, yes, those things are true. I absolutely can. However, if I'm a person that values service and outward focus on serving one another, on loving others, on looking outward, I'm also required to receive that service. Otherwise, I'm taking away the opportunity for the other to ever learn how to serve. And I'm complaining that it's not happening. So for me, that was like a big slap in the face that I realized uh, when I was in college through conversation um, with friends. And as Christ does, he often flips things upside down. He flips things on their head. And last time we talked a bit about how Christ chooses, Jesus Christ comes and he chooses to make the weak powerful. He chooses to uh, be born through 
a woman. He could have come any other way into the world and he chose to be dependent on Mary's yes in order for him to be able to come into the world and to bless us with his presence. And uh, because of that, I make, it's, I'm going to put us in uh, the Canticle of Mary, which is found in Luke chapter 1. Uh, it's after Mary has said yes to uh, having Jesus and then goes and runs to Elizabeth and uh, shares this great news with her and is, spends time with her. And it says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and to his children forever. So there is exactly what the Lord is promising us, that the weak and the lowly will be um, raised up. They will be blessed. They will be the ones who are rejoicing. And it reminds me also, before I move into this, um, we stopped at the shrine of Our Lady of Champion, used to be Our Lady of Good Help, uh, in Champion, Wisconsin. And there's, it's the only approved Marian apparition site in the U.S. And how gloriously simple and humble that place is. And Mary herself was a young woman in the middle of nowhere village with nothing particularly special about her. And look at how she was chosen. And then we have... Uh, this woman, Adele, who also, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, nothing particularly special about her, and Mary chooses her to appear to and to ask her to spread catechesis uh, to the people in the area, to spread the name of Jesus Christ. So it's a beautiful apparition site, a beautiful place to go and to pray, to pray the rosary, to light a candle, uh, to see lots of first-class relics are actually also there. So beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, and of course, everything that really we have to say about being a man and woman comes back to a spiritual reality, comes back to the fact that our lives are made by God out of his sheer goodness. And we're meant to participate in that spiritual life with God, our heavenly father during our entire lives and to be joined back with him. Uh, at the end of our lives in heaven. So the two first two um, of the four parts of the feminine genius that I'm going to talk about today are receptivity and generosity. So receptivity, um, the intrinsic value of woman consists essentially in exceptional receptivity for God's work in the soul. So to be receptive means having an openness to receive easily. So it's not a passivity. It's not to be passive, to be overrun, to be a doormat, but it's an active openness to accepting, to receiving whatever gift is uh, being offered to us or hardship is being offered to us to live with open hearts, to um, be the opposite of grasping. So an active, open, attentive, 
full of gratitude way of life. And uh, she talks about how women are naturally more prone um, to be receptive than, than men are naturally. And as, as I'd mentioned before, um, the Lord chose a woman to come into the world through. And Edith says, the feminine sex is ennobled by virtue of the Savior's being born of a human mother. A woman was the gateway through which God found entrance to humankind. God chose a woman to receive him, and that is the most awe-inspiring gift and privilege imaginable. Which relates to um, how women are both spiritually and physically uh, more receptive naturally than men. So biologically and through the sexual act, women are the receivers. And Alice von Hildebrand actually talks about, uh, when she talks about generosity, um, she talks about how amazing it is that a woman is able to give something back in much greater abundance, how she's given a sperm and she gives back an immortal soul. <laughs> and how amazing is that through that first act of receptivity, uh, what can happen uh, from that. And a part of this, a part of this incredible gift that a woman has to um, have a baby, grow a baby within her for nine months. Uh, Edith says, the relationship of soul and body is not completely similar in man and woman. With woman, the soul's union with the body is naturally more intimately emphasized. Woman's soul is present and lives more intensely in all parts of the body, and it is inwardly affected by that which happens to the body. So even if a woman never has a child, the fact that she has the capacity to is a part of what makes her a woman. And even if she's in a small, small percentile of a woman who is not born with all of the parts necessary, still the fact that stamped within her body is to be woman gives her this capacity uh, to receive and to be more like intimately integrated with her body in a way that uh, men's uh, hormones, men's bodily reality just is not the same. And in terms of the spiritual reality, uh, Edith says that women have an especially strong natural desire for spiritually nurturing values within the soul of woman. We are predisposed to love the beautiful, be inspired by the morally exalted, but above all, women are open to the highest earthly values, the inexpressible ones, which remain in the essence of the soul themselves. And she goes on to talk about how, what does this look like, right? How, if we're predisposed to love the beautiful, are we able to do that, you know? Uh, God surrounds us with this abundance of beauty every day to take in, and how often we're uh, too distracted, too stressed, too overwhelmed, uh, too many things are going on to be able to pause and to breathe in the beauty that the Lord has has put around us. And the truth is that God deeply, deeply wants to meet us, that he wants to be found. He wants to be received by women in the very depth of our souls. And men too, of course. Uh, but women naturally have a, a greater uh, capacity and desire to, to surrender and to be, uh, to offer ourselves to find the Lord, and, and Edith says, God wishes to let himself be found by those who seek him. Hence, he wishes first to be sought, to be sought out by us with an open heart full of vulnerability and trust. And then his presence is felt and brought into the world in a very profound way. So Edith encourages that actually the most important 
um, thing that we must cultivate is surrender. Surrender is the red carpet for receptivity. I love that imagery, that surrender is the red carpet for receptivity. Surrender of worry, surrender of uh, all the things we think we have to say yes to, to be able to learn uh, boundaries, to be able to be good stewards of our time, our energies, our emotional attachments, um, so that we can um, surrender all of those things to the Lord and to seek Him out and to receive Him within us and to receive His guidance for what He has in store for us. And Edith says that knowledge and love of God is won only by a continuous intimate communion with Him. That woman who everywhere she goes brings along with her the Savior and enkindles love for Him will fulfill her feminine vocation in its purest form. Basically, therefore, women, a woman's intrinsic value lies in making room within herself for God's being and works. That makes me very convicted to want to uh, set down my worries, set down my like trying to control my life, set down my doing a hundred million things and to come to the Lord, to surrender all the parts of my life, to receive him and to take direction directly from him. So uh, let us embrace this receptivity and to know what an important witness we are to our fellow men because our men, our fellow men in our lives also are made for relationship with God, also are made to seek out the Lord, to surrender their power, their control, and to say, actually, I need a savior, and that is Jesus Christ, and I must surrender my life and bow down to this incredible God that we have. But it's much harder for men than for women, partially because of this gift of receptivity that women have. So actually, it's a great honor and privilege that we have to model that. And men see that. And even Father John Burns has made this mention that when he sees religious women praying, he is like reconvicted that God is real, that prayer is real, and that it's worth it to surrender our lives and to keep coming back to him. And how beautiful is that? Because it's the actual sole purpose of our lives is to be in union with his creator. So what an incredible gift and responsibility we as women have uh, to be receptive, to be receptive to men, to be receptive to God, and and to model that. So, okay, that gets me very excited. And th- it makes me think about the complementarity of men and women. And there's many great gifts uh, that men have and that they lead in that we women get to benefit from. So there's it's a great counterbalance. And what's really been important for me to learn is that we're not competing with one another. It's not which sex is better, which sex is more capable. The answer is both, and we need both. And the Lord specifically said that he made humanity male and female, he created them. So we need both men and women in order to see the full image of God, in order to see the full image of humanity. And that blows my mind because back in the day when I was beginning a dating relationship, I literally said to this poor sweet man, Um, I'm not really sure what the point of men is because I can do everything myself and I do it well (laughs) and I kind of rock and I can like run my whole life and I'm just not sure like why men need to exist if I can already do everything myself. Yikes, red flag, (laughs) not someone you want to be in a relationship in and how prideful and how untrue and how against what God has literally created for us to, to believe and to live. Okay, so thank you God that I have been rescued by his mercy out of that thinking. Um, But I just offer that as like, that's such a temptation. There's such a 
reality to get like drawn into that in this culture, in this world. But it's not about this power dynamic. And it's much more about let us see that we are equal in dignity and that both have very important strengths to showcase. And we do not need to stereotype and um, put people in boxes. But we also at the same time are able to recognize what things are particular to men and what things are particular to women. Okay, so enough of my uh, rant on that one. Moving on to generosity. Okay, so that brings us right to generosity, which continues to build on this surrender. It's a freedom through surrender, and it's the deepest longing of a woman's heart is to give herself lovingly. So there's so much that can be said about this. What I'm saying is from this book, Embracing Edith Stein, Wisdom for Women by Ann Costa, which is, I think everyone should read and discuss and decide what you think about it and apply to your own life or to the women in your life and and see if it rings true. Um, But I'll give us some highlights here. I love the way she goes into this. This chapter about generosity is lots about men and women together. Edith says, women's destiny stems from eternity. She must be mindful of eternity to define her vocation in this world. If she complies with her vocation, she achieves her destiny in eternal life. Okay, so she's applying this next to the role of a helpmate, which is said in Genesis. So after the Lord creates Adam, puts him to a deep sleep because for the man there was not found a helper fit for him. So then the Lord creates Eve to be the helper, the helpmate uh, for him. So what does this mean? Edith says, the woman who suits man as helpmate compliments him, counteracting the dangers of his specifically masculine nature. It is her business to ensure, to the best of her ability, that he is not totally absorbed in his professional work, that he does not permit his humanity to become stunted, and that he does not neglect his family duties as father. She will be better able to do so the more that she herself is mature as a personality. And it is vital here that she does not lose herself in association with her husband, but on the contrary, cultivates her own gifts and powers. So Edith here is cautioning um, against this, uh, often this feminist agenda to achieve equality and power actually like is at the expense of this generous service and benefit for the other, to recognize the gift, the complementarity of the other. And the great duty of woman to help man not get sucked into his work life, into his professional life, into greed, into... uh, things and stuff of the world, but instead to keep him drawn into the family because naturally those human relationships are going to be harder for him to prioritize simply because of this difference between men and women. And vice versa, a woman is probably going to get too sucked into family life and need to be brought out of that as well. And so there's man to help with that balance in the home. And of course, this does not just have to be practiced within the home. This also very much can be practiced by a married or single woman in the workplace, in her professional life. Edith says, There is no profession which cannot be practiced by a woman. A self-sacrificing woman can accomplish outstanding achievements when it is a question of replacing the breadwinner of fatherless children or supporting abandoned children or aged parents. A woman's individual gifts and talents give her the capability of doing professional work, be it artistic, scientific, and technical. So here, clearly in her language, she is acknowledging her opinion that 
that women are best suited to fill the motherly role of their children. And a lot of interesting conversation can come forward from that. Um, the reality is that when a couple has children, the mother is deeply needed for the first year or two of the child's life. The child is like just simply dependent on another human being and really on uh, mother, biologically speaking, initially. Other things uh, can replace that. However, most naturally it is, it is mom that is most needed in those first couple years of life. Um, and so then there can be lots of uh, question about, okay, when you have kids, someone has to take care of them. So who are those people going to be? Is it going to be mom home with kids? Is it going to be dad home with kids? Is it going to be kids at daycare? Is it, are you near uh, grandparents? You know, there, a lot of conversation can come from what makes most sense for that. Here, clearly, um, Edith is suggesting that uh, a woman is best suited to be mother for her own children. And so <clears throat> she would rather see a woman home with her mother home with her children. However, not because a woman is incapable of doing any sort of professional work and doesn't mean that she can't also be doing some sort of professional work. So that's a, a tidbit about that. And in that way of uh, in the workplace, generosity in particular is a spiritual attribute, an attribute that is needed in the marketplace and one that woman possesses in a special way in order to bring balance, compassion and empathy to the dog-eat-dog dog world of work. So really necessary for women to also be involved in the professional world. And finally, a beautiful passage that I won't read, but that is totally relevant, is looking at our blessed mother, Mother Mary, at the wedding of Cana, who says, do whatever he tells you. So here our blessed mother is engaged in a situation, observes something is wrong in the situation, and is able to quickly go behind the scenes and get the fix going. He says, do whatever he tells you to the servants, and Jesus comes in and she sets the stage for him to have his first public miracle. And what a great example of a handmaid, being a handmaid, uh, that that moment is. And the importance of the spiritual expression of the handmaid is a purified surrender. And Edith says, we can do nothing ourselves, God must do it. And once woman has realized that no other than God is capable of receiving her completely for himself, and that it is a sinful theft toward God to give oneself completely to one other than him, then the surrender is no longer difficult and she becomes free of herself. Now she has all that she needs, she reaches out when she is sent, and she is ready as a handmaid for all whom the Lord desires her to serve. And what a privileged place that is to be a handmaid for the Lord, to be a servant of the Lord. And finally, Edith articulates this role of the handmaid as living at the Lord's hand. Whether she is a mother in the home or occupies a place in the limelight of public life or lives behind quiet cloister walls, she must be a handmaid of the Lord everywhere. Please, Lord Jesus, that you would release women's hearts of a power struggle dynamic, of a competition dynamic, that we would recognize the incredible gifts that you have given us, the receptivity, the generosity, the weakness, the chosenness, the blessedness that you have given women, and the great counterparts of men, the great complementarity of men, that we would not feel threatened to rejoice the great gifts that we see in our brothers and fathers. 
and that we would also feel confident and grateful to be a woman and to know that you love us particularly and that we are good and that we are made to be women and there is nothing lesser about us and that you delight in us, your daughters. We ask that we'd walk in that confidence, that we would grow in this receptivity and generosity and that we would be a handmaid for you, uh, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We pray all these things in your most holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Come Alive. I pray that you keep asking questions, keep pondering what is sticking with you from this, and most importantly, talk to the Lord about it in your time of prayer today. If you want to share anything with me and you know me, I'd love to hear it. If you don't know me, you can email me at helenad at uwcatholic.org, and I'd love to hear from you too. God bless you all.